Stories alleging sexual harassment or assault are hitting the news every day, and journalists are left trying to find the most responsible way to cover them. One of the hardest issues can be how to corroborate each story. So I am the reporter, and I get a tip or hear, or you as a victim of this violence come to me and say, this horrible thing happened to me. My first response, or depending on the succession of the story, eventual response, will be, who did you tell after this happened? That's Koa Beck there, editor-in-chief of Jezebel. Each week, Koa and New York Times gender editor Jessica Bennett join us to talk about one piece of this Me Too moment. This week, Jessica and Koa look at a gap in how news outlets cover stories of assault and harassment. As Koa Beck explains, for most outlets, corroborating a victim's account starts with asking who they told after the fact. For a lot of victims in a lot of landscapes and a lot of industries, they will say no one. And this is also assuming that a police report is not accessible because we already know that the majority of rapes and harassments in this country are not taken to the police and not taken to HR. So we're already going and assuming that you don't have a record of that. Then what happens is assuming that you did tell someone that I'm like, great, put me in touch with your mom, your sister, your coworker, your friend, your neighbor who saw you afterwards, who you confided in, who can speak to the fact that this happened to you in this time bracket in which you said that it happened to you. What troubles me as a reporter and as an editor and as somebody who's always been very aware of the statistics in this landscape is that that formula does not account for many victims. Many victims fall through that exact process, not because they are lying or because it didn't happen, but because if you have experienced violence or harassment on this scale, like Weinstein's victims or any of these others, you do not tell anyone. Sometimes you do, or sometimes a colleague will notice that you seem off or notice that you seem erratic, or if you are lucky enough to be in a position where you can take days off. But again, that assumes so much about the resources of this person who has been violated. And also the assumption being that who can you trust in that scenario? Assuming that you've been violated by somebody who is a superior, what is your incentive to tell a colleague, let alone a manager? Jessica, have you struggled with this in your own line of work? I know that you've reported extensively in this space as well. Yeah, I've been thinking about this a lot because... There's no real guidebook for how to do this type of reporting. Right. The way that we've dealt with it at the time so far has been, you know, I reported two weeks ago a piece about the playwright Israel Horvitz, who is the father of Ad-Rock of the Beastie Boys. And he was accused by nine women of a variety of assaults. Some of them were 16 at the time. There was one rape. And I was able to get each of these women to ultimately go on the record And each of those women had to be corroborated by two other sources. Mm -hmm. So you can imagine that makes 9, 18, 27 people that you're talking with at all times. And I felt very lucky in that these women were willing to trust me Mm -hmm. and had told people at the time. But I think you make a really important point, which is that not everyone has. And even in some of these situations, you know, it's uncomfortable. You're asking to call people who in some cases they haven't talked to in 30 years. Mm-hmm. So the, the the woman who was raped was the high school girlfriend of Adam Horowitz. Mm-hmm. And so she was raped by his father. She hasn't talked to him in 30 years. And she had to call him up, and I had to call him up, and say, did she tell you this at the time? And she hadn't told him at the time. And so 
it's tricky. You know, this is complicated. And I think that in general, the media world would benefit from talking more openly about our process Mm -hmm. because there doesn't seem to be a consistent process. And in so many of these cases, there really isn't a paper trail. I used a lot of journals. All of these women had written in journals at the time. And so I was able to collect a lot of journal entries, which, you know, sure, could somebody fake a journal? But probably they're not going to. Mm -hmm. And so that, I thought, was really valuable. I know that at Jezebel, we have been inundated with more tips than ever. And the meetings that I'm having with certain staff members who are being put on on, on these stories I, I'm I'm in these conversations where you know I am asking the question did sh- did she tell anyone, and more often than not she didn't, and so I'm rethinking different ways to corroborate that this happened through mental health history, through depression, through any records you have of seeing a therapist. If there are any colleagues you worked with who can uh, account for any erratic behavior, if you seemed off, if you quit suddenly. But even that is very limited in that uh, we are privileging victims who have access to mental health care and who can Uh, receive a depression diagnosis and who did have access to a therapist. So for myself and my staff, it is an ongoing conversation to rethink this. This keeps me up at night because right now in my inbox, I have probably 1,500 unread emails of Me Too stories and tips. Now, I try to read every single one of those, myself or my partner on my team. And the fact of the matter is we simply can't investigate everyone. So how do you prioritize? Mm-hmm. Like, how do you think about which ones are worthy? And are we even, you know, we are human, we are fallible. Should we even be making that decision? The other thing I've been thinking about a lot is that there's no consistency for a lot of this. Mm-hmm. So, okay, the story that I wrote had nine named sources and two corroborations for each. Other stories have less. Um, in some cases, people are notified of their allegations beforehand. In other cases, and here we are at WNYC, there are very vague descriptions of what went on, and the people who are accused don't actually know what the accusations are. Mm-hmm. I'm not a lawyer, but to me that seems pretty unprecedented to mm-hmm. not even know what you are accused of. And so I do think we have to think critically about How do we treat these cases? One of the pushbacks that I'm getting just across my industry is that age-old, you know, concern for the men who have not done anything wrong. And the thing I consistently say is the amount of anxiety we have for that man being needlessly named is not proportionate to the statistical reality. The statistical reality is that a lot of people are raped and a lot of people are sexually harassed. And in mandating this, however subtly, you know, this corroboration through telling people, we are setting up a loophole for sexual violence and and sexual harassment in that in talking with female friends of mine and other reporters who have been in these situations, both as victims and as reporters, what is the preventative measure there? If you're sexually assaulted or harassed, make sure to tell people immediately after it happens, because journalistically, your rape did not happen. That's a horrific thing. So I think... In accounting for that landscape and then considering this new cycle, I think we should have a reckoning within our own industry about how we capture and distill and report these stories. Because if our methods do not 
substantiate most of the rapes that happen in this country and most of the instances of sexual harassment, then literally what is the point of our jobs? What are we doing? Jessica Bennett is gender editor for The New York Times and author of Feminist Fight Club. She spoke with Koa Beck, editor-in-chief at Jezebel. You can find much more of their takeaway conversations on our website at thetakeaway.org. At Radiolab, we love nothing more than nerding out about science, neuroscience, chemistry. But, but we do also like to get into other kinds of stories, stories about policing or politics, country music, hockey, sex. Of bugs. <laughs> Regardless of whether we're looking at science or not science, we bring a rigorous curiosity to get you the answers. And hopefully make you see the world anew. Radio Lab, adventures on the edge of what we think we know. Wherever you get your podcasts.